0: This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. We are back. We've got another TCK Extra, little bonus content thing here. I'm going to start doing these pretty regularly, maybe every uh, three or four uh, regular TCK episodes I'll do one of these. And what I'd like to do is uh, pick a content creator that I'm a fan of, that I enjoy the work of. We started with Deadbug, as you guys remember, and and, uh, and this is, I guess, our second episode of, of that. This is just bonus content. Uh, we're still sticking with our true crime theme and going to be doing that every other episode. This is just, if you guys are looking for something to kill your time, um, hopefully these episodes will help you with that. And with that being said, our next episode f- for these kind of things, I guess, is a YouTuber and a filmmaker. You can catch him on his channel, Patrick Gavia. And uh, it's there that he's becoming somewhat of a rising star because of how quickly his videos are spreading in such a short period of time. He focuses on documentaries in the UFC, on the UFC but has also dabbled his toes in other topics, including true crime, in the past. He's an incredibly talented video editor and and storyteller. Uh, And with that being said, welcome to TCK, Patrick.
1: Thank you, Kent. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Uh, I want to salute your audience and mine as well. It's a pleasure to help you kill time today.
0: (laughs) You know, with uh, your catchphrase of think for yourself, I think that there would be a lot of jiving between my audience and your audience.
1: Yes, um it's something that seems to be a rare skill these days. Uh, we constantly t- seem to be manipulated by you know different propaganda or media outlets, and you realize that the the one the one thing you can do today that seems to be inspiring to me is learn to think for yourself so yes, you're absolutely right.
0: I agree with a thousand percent, yeah
1: now, you recently quit your job,
0: I think it was five months ago now, six months ago yeah, five, six months ago, yeah to pursue YouTube full-time. And it looks to me like that's paying off for you. So how does that feel? You're self-made man.
1: (sighs) That's crazy. You know, after three, four months of starting on YouTube, I was still at like 200 subscribers. And then one month in December, it just boomed, you know, went from like 200 subscribers to to 50,000. So it hasn't completely hit me yet. Uh, I still very much live the same life, but it's incredible that the algorithm seemed to have found an audience that really resonated with my content. And that's what I told myself when I got started. I told myself, I'm just going to make the videos that I would personally love to watch on YouTube. And I'm going to trust that the algorithm is going to find people like me who resonate with this type of message. And I'm not going to compromise or, you know, dumb it down or just like repeat whatever everyone else is doing. I'm going to do something that uh, I feel like I would love to see in the world. And uh, yeah, the response has been amazing.
0: Man, the way that you can... Put together a story is a skill that I, I think that even Netflix isn't able to do uh, the, with the way that you do it. It's You could take a story that is uh, interesting. I mean, it's interesting regardless, but you can really ma- sell it. You can really take this story and pick out the points that make the story interesting in itself. Uh, and a, a perfect example of that is is the Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Video that you did from you know UFC, yeah, that was a, a fight that I was aware of, two characters that I was aware of, but um, I didn't, I had never done a deep dive or or gotten a real understanding of that relationship between those two, and the way that you made that documentary just, well, I ordered the fights because because of your documentary, I, I spent eighty bucks and, and ordered the fights and was watching it for <laughs> five hours. I watched the prelims and everything, so, and that was only because of your documentary.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, I can't really explain what it is that I do, but what I know for sure is that I, to me, those stories, making videos, making films is the best way for me to express myself. Like, you know, most people will think that uh, dialogue or just talking is the only way through which like we can express ourselves. And that's the way we judge someone's intelligence often, you know, how well can he or she express their thoughts through verbs, through words. Me, I'm a bit clunky at at that, you know, and I realized that a lot of people, a lot of great artists also are not that uh, agile expressing themselves verbally, you know, and that's, that's why you're forced to develop other outlets to be understood or to feel like you can, you know, like puke whatever emotion or thoughts that you're having because like somehow words aren't how you're accomplishing that, you know? Yeah. And me, I always feel like my thoughts are just a bundle of like, you know, words and emotions and just drama, you know, and they all come just layered all at once. And it's difficult for me to unfold everything and just say it in a way that is concise and clear and understandable. But all my life, you know, I would use music. I would use visuals to describe things. Um, and so I realized that that just all prepared me to, to share ideas and and emotions through that medium, you know? Yeah. So it's something I would say I've been practicing all my life without really realizing it because I was, um, you know, I think let's say of Elon Musk, for instance, who, if you, if you hear Elon Musk speaking, uh, he's often awkward, and, uh, you know, doesn't really express himself clearly, but you realize that the man expresses himself through his inventions, inventions his ambitions. The best way so... that AI
0: can. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> World domination. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, yeah, man, I really uh, I appreciate the kind words. And it's something that I'm trying to do, you know, uh, as best as I can.
0: I guess you're when you watch these these relationships between fighters or whatever it is that you're doing a story on play out. You're already editing that in your head. You're, you're yes. thinking if I if I were to do a video on this, this is how I would do that. That's just how your mind operates.
1: I'm a I'm a fucking psychopath when it yeah. comes to that. Like I can hear the most horrible shit happens, and in my mind I'm like, oh, that's a good story, and this is how I would tell it. You know, but it would be even better if that person would suffered from that horrible thing, because then that's a good plot point. And nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Uh, I, I live like I, I, I seek and respond to drama in my daily life. And often, you know, the the step that takes me the longest when I get into a story is really like reading and, and listening to everything about it, because somehow I need to make that story mine. I need to to first, like kind of find myself in that story because I often say that what you're going to watch after is not the story in, its, in itself, but the expression, my expression of that story. So in filmmaking, there's this saying that uh, it's your duty to tell the truth. Yes. You know, the truth is like a larger thing in there that you can only have experience to yourself to be able to translate it well for an audience. So even in something like Francis Ngannou's story, which, you know, me as a Canadian dude, I've never experienced, you know, migrating from Cameroon to Europe to the U.S. But there are things in his story that are deeply universal and human. And it's important to, like, do your research and find those things that you can personally relate with so then you can translate them to, to an audience. So... I look always for those things that are universal to all of us all over the world, you know. Uh, It's a very divided landscape right now that we're facing. And I feel like we need more, more people to tell stories that are universal to remind everybody, you know, despite all our struggles socially, there are things that unite us all together. There are things that are common that we all face, you know, sooner or later, no matter where we come from
0: that's beautiful man because it seems like almost all forms of media now especially in journalism would rather focus on dividing points as uh, as opposed to unifying points
1: yeah it doesn't sell
0: it doesn't it's selling for you
1: yeah but you know I I still need to use you know clickbait thumbnails and titles sometimes because I know that's what's gonna entice someone to watch the video I think that uh, that on a on a just a basic level,
0: if you just have two generic brands of things and one of them is unification and one of them is division division is going to sell more and that's why yeah. it's but so i think that's a testament to how well how good you are at at creating a at, at telling a story because i man i'll pick your videos over any other documentary style especially on the ufc no matter what so and you know that being said as of now you have four miniature documentaries on your channel and in the very short time that that, that 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 your channel has been up, we're talking very short. You already have well over a million views on three of them. I yeah. wanted to get you on here for two reasons. One was I stumbled across your channel one night, half shit faced on whiskey, watching <laughs> UFC stuff, and uh, I ended up watching everything you had made in one night because I was so.
1: That right is the in. best state in which you can consume my content. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy that was your experience.
0: Well, I will say I watched it again the following week. Everything. Sober, 100% sober. Enjoyed it just as much. Yeah. Enjoyed it just as yeah. much. But, you know, and the second reason was I thought, wow, this guy's going places and I'll pro- he'll probably be out of reach for me in another year or so. <laughs> so <laughs> are you surprised with I, – I know that you made a video where, you know, you talked about you quit your job to do this. Are you surprised with how quickly you seem to find a foot – dude, a million views – is a a big milestone for somebody that I think has been doing YouTube for a while, let alone in the short period of time that you've done it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely surprised by it. When I left my job, I expected not to make money on YouTube for like two or three years. Yeah. Um, And I was ready for that because in the past I've had other creative projects and I put so much pressure on myself to succeed that um, I started hating the very thing that I was loving, you know, that was the reason why I started that project in the first place. So uh filmmaking is a huge passion of mine. You know, I've been dreaming about it since I was young, and I promised myself when I started that project, hey, I'm not gonna put any pressure on myself for this thing to succeed. I'm gonna enjoy sitting down and making the documentaries. I'm gonna enjoy the process of doing it without expecting anything in return. Um, and that's why, even though I only got like a few dozen views. When I got started, I wasn't that discouraged because I felt like I was putting good content out there. Um, The response, the response from the very few people who were watching was was positive. Uh, But then and, you know, there's always a pressure when you get started on YouTube to go for quantity. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you need to pump out content. And me, as you said, especially
0: if it's been a minute since you dropped something. I feel that with the podcast sometimes we're like, yeah, you're like, I've just got to get something out there. But you can't do that. You, you can't no. do that.
1: And I'm in this to for the long term and hopefully to, to make movies someday. So I'm very aware that there are many things that I need to improve to get to that level. So I always do my best in each documentary to, to do my best work possible and that requires time. But all I can say is that so far, it seems like it's a strategy that's been working. You know, people respond well. Uh, Your Patreon's f- growing
0: so quick. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I find that people, you know, often take don't respect their audience. You know, they think that they can put shit out there and that audiences are not going to notice. But it's been my experience that my audience on YouTube is extremely intelligent. And, and if I go the extra mile and do the extra thing, they notice and they appreciate it. And so I've been giving a lot of myself to those documentaries, but like getting every single effort back in appreciation and love and support. So, Uh, and I've been looking at, you know, the top people, let's say on YouTube, like Mr. Beast now releases like a a video every one or two months or so. So there does seem to be a trend on YouTube that quality seems to be overtaking like quantity in some, in some respects which which might indicate a trend of YouTube going more and more towards some place where people might be consuming movies, you know, on a more regular basis in the future. So I kind of feel
0: like adubs. And Meat Canyon, we're kind of like pioneers on that front. When hmm. they, I don't know, do you know IDubs? No,
1: I'm not familiar with them.
0: What about Meat Canyon? No. So they're both kind of. Commi- so dubs makes he's started shifting more to kind of documentary type comedy kind of kind of stuff. But th- those are both massive YouTube channels, and they focus heavily on quantity or quality over quantity. And sometimes mm-hmm. IDubs may not drop a video for two months. You know, but when he does, man, it fucking hits like a atomic bomb.
1: You yeah. know, I also feel like, uh, you know, we might not be aware of it. You know, when we go watch a movie at the movie theater, we think that we're just looking for entertainment, but I think that deep down we're also very much craving for meaning and substance in the thing that we give our attention to, and I don't think that that it's something that is uh, conscious, that is ne- that we're necessarily aware of that but I think it's something that we appreciate when we come across it because it it feeds you. And that's something that I try to inject in my videos. I don't want to just, you know, tell the story. I want to, you know, somehow impart meaning or share an idea or feel like the audience can come across the video and come out of it, not feeling like they wasted their time, but that they might have a new, you know, mindset, direction in their life, something that might help them the next day, seeing life differently. And, uh, I feel like people, appreciate that also in the content you know your your
0: video uh, on kobe covington masvidal yeah i've been watching ufc for about 14 years and it wasn't until your documentary that i realized how much the ufc was not all that different outside of the ring than like wwf and wcw yeah. you know where there i had never really i guess thought about it but kobe covington is like he's like razor ramon from Mm -hmm. you know it's just a character and i i I also didn't know the pre-maga kobe covington yeah and
1: it's just such a it's just a big character he just embraced the role of the villain yeah yeah you know it's something that's fascinating because it's something that's entertaining to us the audience right we're not gonna we're not gonna be displeased about a lot of fighters you know starting drama and just making the storytelling better but if i were a young fighter training every day trying to become the best fighter that I can and come across a story like that I'll be like should I need to do that too you know and to a lot of fighters that might be distracting yeah. I'm not personally someone that embraces controversy that's not something that I seek but I remember when I was making music in college I had a marketing teacher and I was like I I, I discussed with her hey how can I get people to listen to my music if I don't have like millions of dollars in budget. And she said, you need to create controversy. You know, controversy is the only thing that will promote you for free. And so, so what does that mean? Like, how do I create controversy? And, no
0: publicity is bad publicity. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But not all of us really want to live a controversial life. Yeah, like, I don't I'm a either. pretty average dude. Yeah. I don't want to say offensive things to anyone. Like not that I'm afraid of fucking cancel culture. It's just not how I want to live my life. You know, I I want to put more fucking love and empathy and understanding out there. I'm not trying to say outrageous shit just so I can, uh, you know, benefit from it. But it seems right. like and it's a recipe. That's what I built a
0: career on. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. And and you know what? The, as I said in the documentary, like I respect him for going to that extent uh, to get to his goals. Right. That's what's interesting in storytelling is that. Uh, you know, there's the hero and the villain. Yeah. And often they deeply respect each other because they're both trying to achieve a similar goal. What they don't agree on is the means to achieve it. Uh, but they both often have like the same set of skills to get there. Uh, but, uh, the villain is often not afraid to be reckless and just, um, hurt people to get there. Whereas the heroes is the opposite. And so, uh, I I still, you know, I still have admiration for Kobe Covington for going to that extent to get to his goal, you know, and uh, it's just personally not something that I want to do in my life because uh, I think there are still things more important than, than success to that extent.
0: Well, one yeah. thing that's interesting about, Kobe, so, say, Kobe Covington versus, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan yeah. is Hulk Hogan, everybody knows, everybody is... It's uh, everybody knows that wrestling is fake.
1: Yeah,
0: everybody knows this is a character. So it's like we're not going to crucify Brad Pitt for playing the role of the Joker. Not that Mm -hmm. he ever he hasn't ever. But we know at the end of the day, it's a character, right? The difference in this. I don't know if Kobe Covington has thought about this. I'm sure he has. He's probably already feeling the repercussions, but not everybody knows that this is a character. So this is mixed with him as a person for the rest of his life. Yeah. Because you can't just separate this and go, you know, well, I was just that was I was reading a script or or whatever. You can't do that. So no matter how no matter what level of greatness he reaches as a fighter, that is always going to be a scar. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the, I think, fascinating differences in these two things is is it worth? Yeah, you're making millions of dollars. And, and the controversy is sending you, but you can't, you will never ever, no matter how old you are, be able to separate yourself from what you've done. Yeah. The way an actor can.
1: I think that he might really feel the weight of that much later after his career. Because you could argue, Hey, after UFC is probably going to go into wrestling or something where he can keep doing his character. But what is the point of success if you can't share it with anybody if like all your if you turn against all your friends and uh you know you're by yourself you're rich you got your mention i mean it's a typical story right that we've heard a thousand times so i don't know how his story ends but how right now it's uh you know how it's looking right now i think that uh i don't know unless he has secret friends somewhere he seems to be close with his family but you know masvidal was his best friends and i wasn't sure until the fight i was like maybe that but that beef is fake i thought
0: the same thing but i don't think so anymore (laughs) yeah
1: now i'm not sure i saw the pre-fight conference and it was so over the top you know how they would whisper behind dana white and talk shit i was like i know they're definitely faking because usually if you hate someone you just don't fucking talk to them like like you don't whisper insults Behind Dana White, and I was like, "No, nah, that's too much. They're definitely faking." But now I'm not. I'm not sure. They might. I. I think they might still be trying to set up a trilogy fight, or at least a second one. But I know for sure that I don't think Dustin Poirier would play into that. No. Like Dustin that's Poirier is as real as it gets. Yeah. And fucking Kobe Covington said like, "I'm. I'm your daughter's dad." You know. Oh. Like that's that's. uh that's far. That's far. So, well, he if, even
0: talked shit about Masvidal as a as a father.
1: Yeah, that's
0: whenever I, he started doing stuff like that. I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't fake, because even when you're planning, when even when it's a planned beef, and there's whispering behind the scenes, you're not gonna go that far at, to talk about somebody as a he, calling him a shitty father. You know, stuff yeah. like that. I feel like that's too far, even
1: unless you know they discussed it beforehand. And they agree on it, you know, which I wasn't, I wouldn't be so surprised if they did. Uh, cause there are a few things about the story that are interesting. Uh, Masuda was supposed to fight Leon Edwards in December, I believe, and he couldn't because of a rib injury or something. And the first person I heard say, Oh, he's out because of a rib injury is Covington. So how did he, how did he know that information? That's a good point. You know, yeah. Yeah. like, a few small things like that where you're like, are those two guys talking behind the scene? Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. It might be one of the most genius thing that we've seen in the sport, or it might actually just be a real beef and turn out to be a real sad story in the future. So uh, it's cool because MMA, that's what I love about MMA in terms of storytelling. It lends itself so well to be able to structure a full story around it because You have all those like individual fighters all having their own journey so you can build that up but then there's always a climax you know in the story which is the fight yeah you know and there are all those rituals in the sport itself you know like the the weigh-ins the press conference even when they fight it's like there's the walkout there's the Vaseline on the face there's the step in the cage there's the bruise buffer are they gonna touch gloves yeah, there are all those steps. And you realize that almost the best thing about the sport is not the fight itself, but it's all what happens before, you know, the buildup of the tension, the lead up to it. As humans, we're like fascinated already with the story behind the fight. So uh, it's a sport I'm falling in love more and more. And I think it's growing rapidly around the world. So that's, that's also good news.
0: You know, I've always said that if I was a fighter, It always seems way more embarrassing when you talk all that shit and then you get knocked out in the ring. Oh, yeah. So I've always said if I was a fighter, when they're doing the interviews, if they were like, you know, so-and-so says he's going to put you in a coma. The way that I would approach those pre-fight interviews, I'd be like, did he say that? He might. Uh, That (laughs) sounds like something he would do. I'm just going to, you know, swing and hope for the best, man. Maybe he will. I might go to sleep. We'll see. And that way, when I do get knocked out, it's not as embarrassing. You know, like, <laughs> so, yeah. I wake up yeah, and I'm like, know, well, I, I said that might happen."
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting. I don't know who. I think it's uh Joe Rogan who said that not everybody is wired to talk shit. Because if you talk shit, yeah, you think you're playing with your op- opponent's head, but you also put pressure on yourself yeah. to perform, and not everybody is is able to withstand that kind of pressure if they're not used to, you know, so I'm sure like someone like Conor McGregor has been talking shit his entire life. Yeah. And it's part of his like mental process, but still it's really interesting what happened for with Conor McGregor. Uh, I believe it was before the second Poirier fight because all of a sudden he became really nice to him, right? It was the first time that we were seeing a Conor McGregor that was polite. That was a gentleman. Uh, he, like you promised, he would give money to the charity. He took the sauce from him, exchanged. It was the first time Conor McGregor wasn't talking shit. And then he lost, Yeah. right? Yeah. And then in the trilogy fight, I started talking a lot of shit, death threats, saying his wife was in his DM and he came back to that, I believe, because maybe in his loss, he was like, no, talking shit is part of my process. I need to do it. Uh, it's just interesting the kind of thing that fighters need to do in order to be mentally ready to fight. And then he lost Uh, again. He lost (laughs) again. And yeah, he lost again. Oh, no. Actually, he started being nice to Cowboy. I was wrong. He started being nice when he won won against Cowboy. So maybe he was like, oh, now I'm at that stage where I can be a gentleman. But then he lost and he defaulted back to that. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back.
0: Well, I can tell you how the Covington story closes he's uh he's seventy five eighty years old in a mansion alone singing a cover of hurt by nine inch nails you know what have i become you know that, that song yeah
1: yeah my that empire sounds like
0: fire of dirt yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that sounds like a typical ending for this kind of story, although uh he does you know what? In the in the documentary, I show a few glimpses. He does seem to be a nice guy. He does on a day to day basis, especially dealing with fans. Yes, but we know so little about him.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I just wish I feel like that at his core. And me and my one of my co-hosts uh, and one of the owners of Eleven Fifty Nine Media, Jack Luna, were talking about this yesterday. Jack has a more, I think. Uh, negative view of Kobe and we can't know for sure, but I feel like deep down inside him there's a good person there and he's just I wish I just wish he would have went the other way. That's what I'm saying. I wish he would have went the good guy route as opposed to the heel.
1: Yeah. Well um, he tried that, you know? Yeah. And they told according him, to his story, even the first time he walked out to the UFC, the the commentator was like, Oh, he's an a humble, hardworking guy. That's how he was known. But and, that wasn't uh, selling tickets. Wasn't selling tickets. was
0: asses mm-hmm. in seats.
1: So if anything, and that's kind of the point I made in the documentary, he's just a reflection of what we want as an audience.
0: And we should point out right now to anybody listening to this, uh, you're, you're, you might be listening to this and thinking, I don't give a fuck about the UFC or any of that. I'm here for true crime. These documentaries, even if you're not into UFC, are fascinating because of the way that Patrick uh, creates them. You don't have to be into – you. like, for instance, I don't care about tennis at all. If tennis stopped existing, I wouldn't lose a bit of sleep. I wouldn't even notice. But if Patrick decided to do a documentary on tennis, I would watch <laughs> that shit, and I would get into it, and I'd probably end up renting the next pay-per-view tennis match. And I don't even know if that's a <laughs> thing. I don't know if you can rent <laughs> tennis matches on pay-per-view. That's how good these are. So check it out, even if you're not into UFC – by the way, Patrick, you recently decided to switch primarily to documentaries on UFC. Yeah. And one of the things that got me initially turned on to your channel was you had done a true crime story on the real squid games. Yeah. So you were dipping your toes in other topics and everything before you started to shift focus on yeah. this on, on UFC. Will yeah. there be separate channels or, or things for stuff not related to UFC?
1: Oh, okay, so I guess we're announcing this exclusively on your podcast first oh, time. Awesome amazing uh yes so uh i will be starting side channels in the future uh for other documentaries so in when i got started i wasn't planning on doing mma or ufc only uh channel but it seems like uh, the algorithm and the audience resonated you know strongly with that type of content and so at this point i don't want to go against that and here's the thing like As you as you mentioned, someone who doesn't like the UFC might still resonate with the content because, to me, the UFC or the people I pick to do the documentaries on is just on the surface level. It's just like this is the person, but like I always say that a story happens on several different levels. You know, there's the the physical layer, which is uh, on the surface, right? So this is a story on Kobe Covington there's the emotional layer where you connect with the person and you go through an emotional uh, journey or transformation. And then the the deep layer is the philosophical layer, which is what it is that I'm trying to say as the storyteller in this documentary, you know, and, and most films, you know, you, you watch the matrix. It's not about dodging bullets. You know, it's about uh, a lot of philosophical question, questioning our reality, you know, the kind of lives that we live. So, for instance, the Francis and story. There's very little portion of that documentary that is dedicated to his career in the UFC. Most of it is about exploring because everything what...
0: before the UFC was more interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, exactly,
0: man. When you're going on, when you're talking about them having to hold on to that truck going across the desert and these small children just carrying any water that they, and if they fall out, that's fucking it. You're yeah. just now in the dead. They don't stop. They don't, uh, that story is terrible. It's, it's absolutely, and you don't realize it. I would have never known that he went through that. If not for your videos. Um, it was incredible, man. Uh, And then the, the choice between over the wall or around or death by water, you know, it's incredible.
1: It's incredible. Yeah. And we all have those things in, in everyone that you meet on the street, you know, uh, they can be whatever their job is. They can be a police officer. They can be, I don't know, man, you know, a fucking uh, waitress, you know, but there's something in her story that is deeply fascinating to anyone who's going to listen to it. And so the challenge is always going as deep as you can into the story and finding those things that can serve anyone who listens to it. So so that's what I try to inject in each story. So UFC is just surface level to tell something that goes deeper. Yeah.
0: Now on these other channels, are you going to be pursuing more true crime stuff? Or like, what what kind of content can be, ex- what interests you as a person mm-hmm. that you want to tell stories about that that isn't pertaining to the UFC?
1: Yeah, I guess, um, I guess I care about a lot of the stuff that's happening right now. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, journalism is taking a hit.
0: Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I'd say yeah. it's taking worse a worse hit than Ukraine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and we all suffer for it because I feel like uh, the 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 duty of journalists is to tell people the truth, and they should have the interests of the people at heart, not the interests of financial institutions or government, you know. But ad revenue, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know where those journalists are at, but I think they're a dying breed. And if COVID and and the past few years have exposed anything, is that people try to benefit from saying the truth. You know, the truth has become a brand or something, but everything seems to be a lie. You know, we we, we think about, the uh, you know, the Russian propaganda right now. And also the, the numbers coming out of Russia and Ukraine are completely different. And here, what we say about that is, well, that's propaganda. It's a lie. There are people who believe that the Russians are doing a good thing in Russia are under the influence of propaganda. And the same thing is going on in other surrounding countries. But you're like, if everybody else is following and listening to propaganda, I'm probably under the influence of propaganda. And so who do I listen to? Because everything I hear seems to be sponsored by, you know, a company, Hello or fresh. it seems, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or things that shouldn't be politicized, you know, seem to be politicized now. Things like climate change, right, now has become politicized. It's something you believe in or not, and you ignore scientists. And it seems like, we're being manipulated constantly by everybody and we're we're waking up to this and we're sometimes it i feel like a rush of panic like fuck what is the truth you know what the fuck is going on and so i think i'd be interested in in exploring those kind of topics deeper you know i i I don't have a clear vision yet that's why i haven't started it uh but uh it's interesting someone like joe rogan who's been (laughs) under attack quite a lot right now, right? For doing things that I feel like most journalists should be doing, doing, which is giving a platform to both ends of the spectrum, giving everybody a chance to express themselves and giving everybody a chance to debate ideas, which shouldn't be such a controversial or revolution-like idea. Um, But somehow it feels like that's controversial today. So
0: it's very scary. It's mm-hmm. more scary, I think, than than COVID or any of the pick a pick a fear mongering topic. Is yeah. this a me and it's only getting worse is these attempts at just shutting down anything that doesn't go directly with one narrative. Yeah. Like or and somehow Joe Rogan has been labeled an alt right. <laughs> <Like>, what? <laughs> Joe Rogan is is so open about the fact that, you know, he. He supports he he's very liberal. If you listen to anything yes. that Joe wrote, he's views, very liberal.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So to just yeah. automatically tag somebody what they do is they tag alt right and now because of that, anything that he says, because they say he's alt right, anything he says is now you can ignore it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the I don't know. I I don't know, man, and I don't know how we get out of this because
1: I think I think we get out of this by Shit, telling better stories. Yes. You know, like you talked about there's this narrative that people have to subscribe to, otherwise they're marginalized. Well, that's what you realize, man. Like, the person who establishes the narrative, the person who tells the best story, has people's attention, has the control. And sometimes a matter of shifting someone's opinion is just telling another story, showing the other side of the metal. And... um that's why I think we need people who are out there, honest journalists, honest people who kind of dare to go against the grain and uh and like I think Joe Rogan is taking a hit in that uh, oh, yeah. in oh, that yeah. regard, you know. But I think at the end of the day he inspires other people to think for themselves and go out and, and share a different message. So I think that's how we do it and it's and it's scaring me too, because yes, I'm Canadian, but I fucking you know, I went to school in the US I love America as a country, but it's hard to see it get torn apart from the inside. I think it's, it might be the greatest threat to the country right now. I agree. I agree. And there are outside influences orchestrating that in the U S you know, like Russia and meme farms and shit. I think I heard that the statistic that like 75% of Facebook groups, Christian Facebook groups in the U S are operated by, Russians and I operate the other 25. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so how, how do you counter that? Well, it's how we started this conversation empower people to think for themselves. Like a question I ask myself often is who benefits from me thinking the way I do. If I hear an idea, if I hear a narrative, like who benefits from you believing in that narrative and just asking yourself that question might take you closer to the truth.
0: Yeah, I mean, CNN, Fox News, they're all. What what I like to do, I'm sure you probably do the same thing, is bounce back and forth between CNN and Fox, and the truth is usually some there, somewhere there yeah. in the middle. Everything is gray. I've always said that everything it's not black and white.
1: Everything, yeah. everything is gray. Everything is gray. Yeah. Um. That's why the the best thing you can do, no matter what, is look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself if you live accordingly to your own values. Into your own moral compass. And instead of pointing your finger towards someone else who's racist and sexist, you know, ask yourself how those things live inside you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And go, go out in the world and do good fucking actions and good deeds that counter those things. And it's not by... Instead of screaming on Twitter. Exactly. It's, it's easy to fucking point your finger at someone. It's really hard to look at yourself in the mirror. I always tell myself if I want to kill something in the world, I need to kill it within myself, because those things that you don't like in the world are also within yourself. Like, I'm getting fucking philosophical, but it's true. Yeah, you know, we all we, start we with all yourself. have. Yeah, start yeah. with yourself. We, we all have prejudice against people uh, that either think differently, look differently. That's primal. Not that, yeah, it's primal, and it's it's really easy to fucking blame someone else instead of trying to address it within yourself so uh, yeah well uh one of my favorite videos that you did was
0: called the real squid games it was the only i think many many documentary that you had that was true crime related but it was so good
1: mm-hmm. about
0: um and no there wasn't a a real live version of red light green light or anything like that it was in the
1: 30s i believe was it the '30s? yeah it was a bit earlier i think yeah uh you know what when i when I saw quit Squid Game really pick up, you know, no matter what fictional story you hear, man, I assure you. And you're in, you're in a good spot to actually already know that. Yeah. There's a much more fucked up shit that happened in real life. Yeah. Than any fictional 100%. story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I saw Squid Games*, and I was like, for sure, there is a billionaire somewhere that has done the same thing, you know? And turns out- Jeff Bezos uh, is doing it, it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> In space. Yeah. 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 So uh, I just needed to look at, look for it a little bit, and I found it with the, the baseball. Yeah. That, that was, was an a, incredible was story, story, and I
0: never heard about that. And I actually, mm-hmm. for a brief moment- See, I, obviously, I do a podcast, right? But it's between two and three hours sometimes- uh, covering one specific case, I thought, man, this would be a great episode for TCK. Yeah, uh, but it turns out there's not enough meat on the bone. I don't, I don't think to, to stretch it out. Did like you, did you
1: check out the book? No. Is there a book? Okay, let me write. There that are down. two books. Yeah, there are two books written on uh, on that story. So it it's also it turns out to be this huge political thing. Like th- there was something about the chief of the prison and the politicians and people running for senate were like betting on the games. And making money from yeah, the games, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I. If Hollywood is paying attention, I think they they're gonna buy the the right for that story because it's incredible. Maybe you'll make you you. Actually, you talked about
0: maybe hopefully down the road this turning into being a director, making legitimate yeah. the movies that you want to make. Are they more documentary? Or are you talking about more? You know, are you gonna be directing Spider Man twenty six?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, probably. Uh, yeah, I'd like to dive into fiction. Horror? So, uh, uh, I'm not a huge, you know, I like horror. Uh, every month of October, all I watch are horror movies. Uh, but knowing myself, I think I do well in the typical like hero journey story. Okay. It seems like that's what I see in every single story that I, that I watch. So it seems like I have a, a natural pull towards those stories, but, uh, yeah, you know, I started this this journey telling myself that I just needed to put myself in front of an audience uh, so people would connect with my work and start... You know, just like you said, like, oh, if Patrick does a tennis documentary, I'll watch it. Like, that's how I want people to feel about my work, uh, no matter what I do. Uh, because I realized that Hollywood is not necessarily the angle. You can come to Hollywood and just like Zack Snyder, who had to fight to release his own cut of a movie, get fired from a movie, have no control over a creative product. And I was like, you know what? Now, which movie was that? Justice League.
0: Zack Snyder also directed Dawn of the Dead, didn't he?
1: He did. Yeah. Uh,
0: My my mind always goes to horror because that's what Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually wearing. I don't know if you've seen it. Psycho Gorman. I don't know if you've seen Psycho Gorman. No, I haven't. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've got Pennywise tattoos and...
1: Uh, oh nice! <laughs> well, you know, horror is actually a go-to for starting filmmakers because often first there's like a cult following of horror movies. They're often lower budget. That's why Ted Raimi
0: started with Evil yeah. Dead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before uh, he did Spider Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ironically yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, the lead actor in Evil Dead, what's his name? Um, Bruce Campbell. Bruce. Yeah. Starred in all three Spider Man movies. Not starred. He was. He did Cameoed. like cameo roles yeah. here and there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean, maybe horror. I would just need to dive into horror, you know, and then understanding it a bit more, uh, like study the genre and and all those stuff. It wouldn't be my first go to though. Well, man, this has been uh, this has been a
0: great conversation. I hope that it it brings more attention to your channel because you you fucking certainly deserve it. I respect you a lot as a as a content creator. It's refreshing hearing somebody out there that doesn't feel biased or or you know uh, completely sold on on only showing one side of a of a conversation. So if you if you're listening to this and you want to watch Patrick's channel, which like like I said is right now UFC, but he's going to do other channels. Go to Patrick Gavia on YouTube. That's the name of his channel. Some of the best documentaries. That, that you can watch even if you're not into UFC they're fascinating and uh and if you're not into UFC he'll be doing other stuff soon and I'm sure he'll announce that soon enough on what those channels will be in when he starts doing them so uh Patrick uh, I thank you so much for for being here today and talking to me this has been great you're a great guy and uh, I, I appreciate you being here man
1: well thank you so much for the invite man it was a pleasure talking to you and you know what let's do it again in a year when yeah, uh yeah let's do an update <laughs> exactly every year you know we'll, what I'll I'll, I'll I'll never be out of yeah, touch with anybody yeah yet.
0: you you're not gonna be you're not gonna want to talk to me in a year
1: i will I, i've I seen
0: i've seen how quickly your channel has grown in just a few months in a year you're gonna be you're gonna be on uh, you're gonna be a talking head on uh, on both cnn and fox news <laughs> There is fucking no hate fucking, hating both of them. No chance.
1: Yes. <laughs> no chance, brother. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much, man. And uh, thanks to anyone who listened to this, man. I hope that uh, that gave you some value. Thanks for being here, man. My pleasure.